Welcome again to a very special edition of the Hoop Form NBA podcast. As always, Ben Slykerman and Adam Elder ready to tackle all of the topics of the NBA. And boy, is there ever so many topics to discuss. We got a lot to dive in today. Adam Prepod, you just mentioned it's been a spicy kind of day. So we're going to kick it off with the heat. Let's do Today is a number six from Wendy's, dude. Just a spicy chicken sandwich out there today. Just because, you know, I feel like that's good enough to introduce Joel Embiid on because he was at some corner, sort of like, I don't know, live interview thing on a stage. Seemed like he was just talking to a reporter up there and he said that he, I mean, it was a pretty canned presentation the way that he was talking, but it's like, We've heard Embiid in these situations before where he's just strangely, he's not accusatory, but he like dances around the subject a little bit. You know, like he talks about like winning directly and what it takes to win. And like, like he's made the decisions before to win where he's been that guy in the playoffs, you know, like when he most certainly really hasn't been <laughs> when he's the jogger. It was the jogger. We both knew that the 76ers season was over against the Celtics when the Celtics got that like two for one possession on them with like two minutes left to go in the game and both Harden and Embiid just straight up jogged up the floor while Tatum and the rest of them just sprinted down court for another easy layup. Like you just knew it was over and now you have Embiid saying these weird things also calls Daryl Morey the greatest troll of all time on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what kind of message is that? Like, right. what do you, what, how do you even unpack that? Because obviously the situation between Harden and Morey is uncomfortable. And you're out here saying, oh yeah, this guy's just a troll. You know, like as if that's supposed to help like ease that tension at all. I don't know. It's just, this is bizarre. It's very bizarre. Especially since he says, I want to win a championship, whether that's Miami or not Miami, whether that's Philadelphia or else or anywhere. I want to win a championship. Yeah, he he said that. That's what was so spicy about this interview was that he came out and said, I want to win a championship, whether that's in Philadelphia, whether that's anywhere else. That is hot. It's hot. That's what Zach Lowe said has been coming for a while now. So... Here we are. Knicks. That's all I'll yeah. say. I mean, because that's just what everyone's saying right now. Pre-pod before we even sent the link, I was trying to critically think. I'm like, are you pissing off, Jimmy? If you trade Bam for Embiid, I think you are at this point. Because you replaced one of the best, most well-conditioned, the ideal small ball five in today's NBA. The five who just made it to the NBA finals. Fuck your MVP. Exactly. Like, even though they didn't match up, we know how that would have went this year directly if they would have matched up. Jimmy takes that matchup extra personal. He would have been at like 30 a game, even at least trying to on the ankle. But like, just the level of effort even just from Bam being a like guy that sacrifices shots but still had games in the playoffs where he was going over 20 and he was getting his assists and getting his rebounds and he was bringing the ball up the floor and Jimmy could just be in the corner. And then you have Vincent and Struess around that who are also just trying to be the best catch and shoot three-point shooters in the league. Mm-hmm. So I mean 
if you trade Joel Embiid, a guy that treated the last possession of his playoff run this year like that, and then you have Jimmy and Bam, who were literally on the eight seed team, had to fight to get into the playoffs, just a different mentality and a different lifestyle. Like, I feel like you're going to be encroaching on Jimmy a little bit because it's like, look, I played with this guy before. Obviously, he's a phenomenal fit, but like, you have like, Chemistry is already built. The absolute, yeah, the chemistry is there, but like the chemistry between him and Bam is finals level potential. And That's all what they I mean. Need is that sprinkle? That's yeah. all they need is Damian Lillard in there to help him win a championship. Like, it's like okay, yes, you can get that with Embiid. Maybe I'm not. Is Embiid going to show up? I would trust. I would trust the fit of Damian Lillard. Without sacrificing Adebayo. Right. Even if you didn't sacrifice Adebayo and you could finally shift Bam to like the greatest four of all time. Um, I don't know. It's just Bam runs. I still would rather have Dame is my point. Yes. Yes. Dame is the ultimate point guard to have on the Miami Heat of the NBA besides probably Steph Curry, which is just, you know, unreal. An unreal fit. Yes. Like, and what would be better than actually Steph being on the Heat would be Jimmy being on the Warriors. Yeah, next to Draymond. Yeah, you plug. You run literally Curry, Clay, Jimmy, Dre. Jimmy would be literally everything they ever wanted Wiggins to ever be. He would be like the I don't know. Like he has the playmaking Bro, he's ability cracked of Wiggins. Draymond. Yeah, exactly. He's just cracked Wiggins. I mean, and just it has just all the ignorant. grit in the universe. Yeah. He's super Harrison Barnes, extreme level Harrison Barnes. Oh my like, God, bro. It'd be damaging. That's, a <laughs> that's, Steph's, that's Steph's fifth. Oh my God. Yeah. That's especially Steph's if they had fifth, sixth, even. If they had Iguodala, like, so you're running that Jimmy in Golden State instead of the bubble year, and Iguodala stays. Like they don't trade him, they keep his saying, money if they somehow. Jimmy, like, if they would have got Jimmy before Jimmy hit this like prime, yeah, like fuck, he'd have three rings, and I would hate it. He'd have because three rings, state, but yeah, I would hate it too. But like you would look at, and we would all look at Jimmy different too, though. I feel like Jimmy. Would I really be don't think that I would be because of Jimmy's like how corny is Jimmy Butler really, dude? Like every time I see him, I'm like he's just so regular guy like he just he loves Taylor Swift dude he loves Taylor Swift he loves country music like dude's just out wearing cowboy hats and just doing fun rich people stuff like he, he owns a coffee company yeah drinking Michelob's on commercials Jimmy's awesome man Jimmy is awesome I love Jimmy Butler as a personality as a player it's it's all good um how about this the best guy's been og since the bubble bro when he had the quote that it's a business trip let's just be honest right oh that solidified this man as just an og there was just a coldness to it though when he said it because i feel like anybody can slide that quote about it's a business trip but jimmy's like jimmy was just a renegade cowboy in the bubble i loved it but that face he gave Grant Williams in this year's playoffs when Grant Williams tried to say, I'm the shit in his face. And Jimmy just literally laughed. Jimmy's like, yo, bro, how's the floor taste? <laughs> that 
and then got right back in his face with a little goofy Jimmy Butler mid-range flip shot. Oh yeah, killed that him just on goes it too. Grant, Grant tried to hit him. Grant tried to hit him with some shit. Oh yeah, he tried to get all like you know. He tried I'm to hit a fade on him. You. I think. Something like that, but just Jimmy is just literally laughed in his face. Yeah. I think he might have got an and one on him. Jimmy hit it a was nasty just, fucking turnaround on him. Though. Jimmy hit a nasty everything in this playoffs. He had like every highlight type you could have. The highlight package. Until the finals came. <laughs> yeah. And then he hit a brick wall. Absolute brick wall. But Embiid throwing that out there today, I feel like is just... I don't know. I feel like that's kind of... He's up to the calf in the the trade pool. Like he didn't just dip his toe in there. I feel like that's a little bit of burner heat right there. Well, like Harden's on the move, seemingly. And is honestly, he? bro. Yeah. I mean, honestly, so this is the thing. Like, I have trades for Siakam, and we can run those after our big segment today. But I tried to get up trades for Harden and I, I couldn't. There's nothing out there. The Clippers is the only thing that makes sense. And I know they'll pull it off somehow in a three-teamer, if not just a straight-up two-team deal. But there's nothing else at this point. Like Atlanta was the only other thing that I personally thought made sense. But after they re-signed DeJounte, it's a done deal. Right. And you know what's funny is that I was looking up rumor mills and they were like kind of not updated since the draft. It was like pre-draft night. And both Murray and Collins were being floated, packaged with the number 15 pick to move upwards in the draft. And they got nothing on that. And then they turn around and bag DeJounte. So I'm like, were they just in all realistic value just testing to see what DeJounte was worth to a team? And they didn't hear anything back that really excited them. So they're like, all right, let's just sign him. But then they got him on a great contract. Yeah. Like what, 28, 29 a year? Exactly. It's just going to fit right in. As your starting level point guard, essentially. But yeah, when I think about Atlanta, I'm just like, I want them to make the, I want them to make the Siakam deal. And I want them to move Okongwu to the five around him because I think that is a team that could be dangerous. Like, I know that there's a, I don't think there's a possibility that. What if Hunter ends up going to like the Pacers? Do the Pacers get involved in any of this? See if they can trade hands. Maybe Heald goes to Atlanta as well. Like, kind of play the three now that he's been used to it. It's not ideal, but like you can start Buddy Heald as your super three point option and get Siakam in there. And then you're going right to Okongwu. But the, the twist is that the Mavericks want Capella, they're shilling. They're shilling they for really Capella. They really want Capella. They like are ready to. I don't know. They they're ready to put all. them. Yeah, I know. Like, I think Cubans they're trying to, to float McGee. I think they're trying to float McGee. Like, hey, he wants to be on a contender. He'll help they're you. Like, have to give center. someone. They're gonna have to give one of the young guys with it. I'm honestly okay with that, though. I think it needs to be Green or Hardy. I'd give him Green. I would give them Hardy and that young big man that they got in the draft to like really sell it. Really push it because, I mean, you're a win-now team, the Dallas Mavericks. So like, 
is there really a timeline for you to develop a guy that could have a Nick Claxton like rise? And or how Atlanta likely out here is selling that? low too? Look at what they did with John Collins. They're trying to clear up space, man. I just really think the finger for him is a big problem. Like, especially because his prototype is three and D four. Mm-hmm. Sort of. I don't know. Like he just straight up cannot stretch the floor anymore because of how badly his finger was broken. Like yeah, it was sad to see his value because they essentially traded him for Patty Mills, John Collins, a guy that was a top 10 draft pick five years ago. That's I guess rough. that's, yeah, that is rough. You know, it's like, it's rough straight out. There's nothing about it. Drafted in the same year as Tatum and Mitchell and Lonzo Ball and all those guys too. So like, he was kind of like a guy that was in that mix for a little bit. Now, like, he's traded for Rudy Gay and I'm like, what? Like, I don't know. It's these teams that are in the margins and that desperate to like maybe get that rotation piece that they're really looking for. That makes me think that the Dame to Miami deal could be done with Toronto as the third leg. Mm. I think there could be some traction there because I think that you could, or maybe it has to be 14 where you get Siakam because you know who wants Tyler Hero and it actually got out is Toronto. Toronto wants Hero. Allegedly wants Hero. I'm like, something about that, I'm like, I firmly believe that because they just have a spot for him there. They have an open spot for him because Gary Trent is not a point guard. And I mean, like we've always said, Dennis is not your lead guard. He needs to be your sixth, seventh guy. Mm -hmm. Like he's just, he needs to have that kind of ball handling load right now before he's like thrown into a oh hey we're trying to make the playoffs here kind of team and he's got to be the starting guard instead of your release valve guard and getting Tyler Hero in there to play point guard and be a bit of a renegade at it is going to help because then you can you don't have to rely on Hero then to be your primary initiating ball handler at all times because you have Scotty Barnes and I feel like the organization wants to lean more into, we have young Lamar Odom here. So let's make him trend in that direction where he can handle the ball and be a 40, 60 kind of ball handling responsibility guy. You know, like he can get his assists and open up the floor because every time I think that Toronto wants to move OG, I'm like, why? Shout out to OG Ananobi. Today is his birthday. He is 26 years old. Apparently, Siakam seems to be the more valued one. Sorry if I've been a little quiet here. I'm literally sitting here trying to put together a three-teamer <laughs> Toronto, Portland, and Miami um, as you were just running it. Um, I think but, you got to do it as three-team. I don't think you can complicate it. I don't think you can complicate it with four. So let's walk through this. I think baseline, you're looking at... Siakam has to go to Portland in this deal. Yeah, but I, I'm not sure Portland, Siakam doesn't fit their timeline. That's the he problem. also doesn't fit their contract status either because he is an expiring last year of a deal. And I think Toronto wants long-term commitment. And I think they would want him to sign some amalgamation of a right now max. And I think like you have to move OG. I think OG has to be the piece that goes to Port. I think OG makes a lot more sense. Yeah, with where I Portland's think, at. But then I'm like, OG turned 26 today. So he is 26 years old. And 
arguably in the prime of his career. He's coming right into the prime of his career. Exactly. So if you plug him into Portland, I mean, that's an ultimate fit because then, I mean, I think he starts at the four for Portland and they slide Jeremy Grant up to the three, but all of a sudden Portland's got Scoot, Sharp, OG, Grant and I guess Nurkic at that point. I don't they're Nurkic gonna, might get they're gonna steal Duncan Nurkic. Robinson here from Miami. Portland is. They're gonna grab Duncan. That's yeah, okay. That's just a bench piece that they can definitely use. They're gonna but, send Nurkic to Toronto. I don't know that Toronto wants that though. Maybe but, they do. Maybe they do if they they're can getting get, arrow in this situation, right? And Nurkic is on a pretty cheap deal. He's only at like seventeen a year, and I think the thing is, is that I don't know what the new Raptors coach like kind of you know offensive formula is, but we'll see how much Jakob Pertle really starts. I feel like he is the default starter for them, but then if can you get Nurkic to accept a bench role? I mean, I don't know. I really don't know. I think Nurkic has got a little bit too much ego for that. Right. To be able to be like, yeah, I'm the... Why, I feel like he would be a good six-man, though, if he could just, you know, try to make layups. <laughs> He's one of the worst lay, layup big men in the league. Bro, I got it. <laughs> what, what's this on? Is it Fanspo? No, this is ESPN trade machine. Oh, no. This is like you know accurate. it's cold. Yeah, this is accurate. Miami Heat received Damian Lillard in exchange for Tyler Harrow and Duncan Robinson. Tyler Harrow finds himself in Toronto. Duncan Robinson finds himself in Portland. Toronto is sending out OG Ananobi and Gary Trent Jr. to Portland. Gary Trent returns. Nurkic heads back to Toronto. There it is. Picks wherever you need picks. Call it a the day. The thing, the one wrinkle in that, and I don't even know if I'm really playing devil's advocate here, but Gary Trent publicly really shaded Portland when he left and said yeah. that he was basically depressed there. It's so I'm the like, money. We're just, it's close. But are you willing to, because this is an off-season deal, you say, Gary, look, we know you didn't like it here. You're an expiring deal. We can reroute you before the deadline. Like, we'll work with you to get a trade. We're using you to get in OG. <laughs> we want OG to play on the team. And frankly, we need more minutes for Simons. Simon, Scoot, and um, Sharp is our backcourt rotation right now. Mm-hmm. They're going to be getting all the shooting guard, point guard minutes. And with that wing duo of Grant and OG, I really like that. I mean, <laughs> I'm firmly behind that. But then, who's playing the five for Portland? Like, that is a big hole for them. I so mean, that's what I'm wondering if you do something around Boucher then instead. Yes, I would re- definitely rather have Boucher if I'm Portland. I was thinking something around maybe like Boucher and Otto Porter Jr., and then you send them Nurkic and. I don't know, Keon Johnson or one of these really lower guys. Yeah, I'd be fine with that. 
it's just, do I, I also think about how Anthony Simons seemed to be always dangled in the trade talks before. Like he was almost like a requisite, we need to trade him player. And now I'm like, I feel like Portland still wants to keep him. Why wouldn't they? Because they have that super, like, I feel like it's going to be a super guard trio. And it's to the point where I'm like, does Dame even really fit in here anymore? Why is that not being taken into account? Right. What killed me really on this whole Portland thing is like, okay, in this situation where we're working here with the three-teamer in Toronto and Miami, Portland gets back OG and an OB. That's basically a blue chip prospect to a certain degree, which is allegedly what they want, which is getting an outstanding just what the hell from basically everyone because they already have a nice little like stealth rebuild that they did and they're ready to roll. Like take, take the easy fucking trade, get this guy out of here. You can move on from Harrow or whatever later on if you have to like, right. I just, I don't know. I just don't. I know don't why. think it's that bad of a trade package. Is my is my out just overwhelming belief? Like, I mean, the only thing from Portland's aspect, I guess, that we just discussed there would be, well, we want to have the draft equity to be able to get our next, you know, DeAndre Ayton prospect. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, that's fair. That's very fair, and it's fair for Portland to always consider their own future and all of this because, I mean, they've got Simons on the great deal. Sharp is in the second year of a rookie deal. Scoot is starting the rookie deal. Like, there's two more guaranteed real years of this core being together at the very least. And that's something to just promote over, you know, we've got Damian Lillard and we have this collection of small guards next to him that we can try to throw out there and be the third best offense in the NBA while being like the 20th best defense. Mm-hmm. And it just goes how you expect it to go when it comes around to the second round of the playoffs. Like when we've already brought up how great of a fit Lillard is in Miami, because all you have to do is just have living NBA players on the team around that trio. Yep. Essentially, you just have to have players that are guys alive that aren't traffic cones. Exactly, not complete traffic cones. And I feel like they've already trended themselves in that direction by getting Josh Richardson, who is just a guy. And I always like Josh. And then they also have... um, You're hopefully retaining Caleb Martin. Right. I think you're going to be able to hold on to Martin, too. Oh, it's just crazy. It's so crazy. It is crazy, but we need to move on from there, from the trade. Oh, one last thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You go ahead first, and then I'll throw mine out. I just wanted to say real quick that, well, two things actually. Carl Anthony Towns' trade value being really floated out there, which I think is just hilarious because there, so many people have floated online that cat for Dame just makes all the sense in the world. And I'm like, yes, it does actually a little bit, but I'm not, I'm not investing anything into that. No. Because there would be an open spot for cat right there at the five in Portland around this guard trio. And he would, he just, I don't know. I don't, I really don't know. It'd be just sickening because then Dame has to report to Minnesota. Ugh. I know exactly. And also, 
That's worse than Chris Paul reporting to Golden State. Oh, I know, dude. His eyes look dead in every single media off of him in like the past like month. You can just see it in his face. I'm yeah. just like, this guy literally has swallowed all of his pride. And he says, yep, I'm going to wear a Golden State Warriors outfit next to <laughs> Kit. <sighs> Uniform, whatever. Rough out here for CP3, dude. Uh, last one here. Uh, Siakam. It was really the, the only real trade idea I could come up for a Siakam as well. What if New York's ready to push it into overdrive? Something built around Julius Randle and Josh Hart. Or a host of anyone else that New York has because they have a lot. Toronto is going to want quickly. I was thinking quickly or Grimes. One of the two. I think they would want both. Honestly. And New York's not playing that game. Yeah, because they're uh, that's giving up your Marcus Smart, you know, like that duo together is worth like a you know, half a Marcus Smart. <laughs> See, <laughs> you I don't think, give up on that. I think with as much as Tibbs loves quickly, Grimes is probably the one that they'd be, they'd be willing to sell on. So if you could get Toronto to bite with just throwing Grimes and not both, I don't know. I, I yeah, like the fit of Siakam in New York, personally. I do too, especially with Brunson. And that's the thing, is that the Knicks are going to be able to retain Brunson in all of these trade situations. And I mean, Randall, you can you can throw him at the five, and I feel like he would kind of need to play the five on Toronto the way mm-hmm. that they're set up. He's already like surrounded by guys like because Randall's only like what six seven six eight, like he's uh, barely a four even. Like he might be listed at like six nine, six eight. So I mean, he's you're just you're. I don't know. I guess Bam's like six. A tall six eight, six nine. Twenty-eight years old and is alleged prime. I don't know. It's just I do like the fit of Siakam though around Brunson because that's just an immediate and if you can have a like trio of DiVincenzo, Brunson, Brunson, Hart, and Siakam, like that's pretty goddamn good. And you're also keeping Mitchell Robinson in this situation as well. So maybe there's something there. You can swap Pirtle and Mitchell Robinson or Hartenstein. Hartenstein, maybe. I think New York would retain Mitchell Robinson because I actually like the fit of Siakam and Robinson. Right. You just have a big lanky duo together because Siakam's Mm -hmm. Mm 6'10". Robinson's legit seven foot. Siakam puts you in the washing machine. It's just going to be a hard deal because Masai has absolutely fleeced New York before. Like, look, and I think above all else, Brooklyn is always looming in every situation, I think, as well. Yeah, because they can offer you Spencer Dinwiddie, Royce O'Neal, Dorian Finney-Smith. Um, you know what? Maybe if you can play your cards right, Cam Johnson. Cam Thomas, you mean? No, Cam Johnson. Johnson just signed to an extension. So oh, that's... so yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, Cam Thomas, too. I feel like he's a little bit maybe overrated, but he's a good scorer. Maybe he's he could be scorer. something. Someone, so, I mean, someone that can come off your bench and shoot. It's just, Masai also said, fuck Brooklyn on stage one time. That was also Paul Pierce Brooklyn, so there was a different energy around that entirely. Yeah, so I mean, and now you're... Fuck Paul Pierce till the day we die out here <laughs> on the dip. 
in the hoop form. So I don't give a fuck. Uh, let's wrap it there for rumors and the rumor mill, the spiciness, uh, all of that jazz trade talks. Let's shut the trade machine down for the main event of the evening, Adam, uh, for this Monday episode of the hoop form. We're talking one of our favorite segments that we do around here. Signer trade. This is the off season edition for the 23, 24 season. Ready to, ready to, uh, hit you guys with what is basically our buy or sell version of discussing these teams off seasons so far, since there is still some time left. Um, but nonetheless, uh, the bulk of the business has been completed. So we're ready to really evaluate it. Finally, uh, pick our true winners and losers here. So teams that we signed for a refresh teams that we signed, uh, we'll have two signings from the Eastern conference, uh, two signings from the Western conference. Those teams were essentially buying stock in, so to speak. And then with our trades, we'll have two from the East, two from the West. And that is essentially the teams that we are selling stock on. So that is the rules of the game. Adam Elder, are you ready to uh, get it cracking here? I'm going to kick it off with the Eastern Conference signing. I think this team has had a great offseason. I think they're young. I think they're fun. I think they're going to be a league pass must for us here at the Hoop Forum. That's the Indiana Pacers. I think they had a great offseason. They obviously re-signed Halliburton to the absolute max, gave him the bag that he deserves. He's going to be great, continue to be great. Um, I think his ceiling is extremely high. I can't wait to see uh, the great things he achieves. And of course, Bruce Brown, they bring in um, as a veteran champion presence on this team, uh, hopefully trying to elevate them to real playoff contention here, uh, especially with the play-in tournament. I think it's safe to say that they're going to be involved. Uh, I really I really like um, the potential that this group has. They also obviously traded for OB Toppin, which I think is a great, uh, great addition to bring in someone that can finally. As long as you play him like 28 minutes, though, you that's know what I mean. I think this is a perfect situation him. for him to actually play finally. Like, give so him a chance. Is that he just never had. Is... He's never had a chance. Exactly. Yeah, the 18 minute leash on Thibodeau's team was doing him absolutely no favors because he was trying to develop the corner three too, but then they just lean into that for him completely rather than him just being athletic as fuck, which he is, and that's what. I, they need to work you know, them into more of a, uh, of a three. And they're going to be able to just, you know, in the beginning stages of this offense with Halliburton, they're going to say, fly to the rim and Halliburton will find you. doesn't mm-hmm. matter where you're at because he has that snake ability through the pick and roll. And if he can just... The three, I don't know. I feel like with his body type and what Miles Turner is, he can be... The I don't want to say Jokic, he, the Porter to Jokic, but like because that's just the extreme, extreme, especially more because of what Jokic is. But like to Turner and I don't know, like there's just something good about that lineup there where they can kind of make him into that you know switchblade four that can yes stretch the floor, but is extremely athletic. And that's what I had in my original notes was that their ceiling is the five seed if Halliburton can just be healthy all season and just go back to that, that late mid-season. Like, all of a sudden, he was having these 
26 and 18 games or something like that. You know, like he had that stretch of just a crazy run with both points and assists. Yeah. I mean, if Halliburton's an all star all season, I don't. And Bruce Brown lives up to expectations here as, as a presence and as a real impact on winning. I mean, as much as we were just like kind of can like, you know, like, ah, uh, you know, that's not the marquee fit. He's going to be a great fit next to Halliburton. Like, especially now that he's their starting shooting guard, essentially. I would say so. Yeah. And then also they bring in Jarris Walker as a draft pick, um, who's got pretty good potential as a forward. Um, they also got uh, Benedict Matherin coming back. Um, Love that. Love yeah, that guy. Matherin's a great fit there. I think he's had some up and downs towards the second half of last season and here in Summer League. Uh, I think the potential is still there. I think guys get judged um, a little too early sometimes. Um, oh, yeah. So he's coming into a second season. I think everyone needs to chill uh, and give him time. Um, and by Nemhard time, I mean too. that could be up to two seasons. <laughs> yeah. I feel like he's now... I was just trying to consider myself, do you start healed over him at the three? Because that's either of their spot, it seems. Yeah. Matherin's six six, and I think healed's like six five, six four. So I, don't I think know if you're he's... trying to win today and and playoff contention like we assume they are, obviously you don't go get Bruce Brown if you're not. Um yeah, I think right. you start healed. Yeah. Because he's just gonna open up the floor way open for Brown, who's not, you know, the greatest he needs space in between to mm-hmm. be able to manipulate the the defense and yeah that's why I think that they have this you know I said the five uh, they could go on a Pelicans like year and you know end up as the three seed Sacramento so, I mean, more so yeah Sacramento too like just this young team on a really quick rise It's crazy how they've done the rebuild and held on to Turner. Like, I always thought Turner was going to be the guy that kicked off the real rebuild for them after they did, you know, the Oladipo, Bogdanovich. Um, who else was it? They had a point. Brogdon kind mm-hmm. of rebuild that they had. Just never hit. Never connected. Exactly. Jeremy They've Lamb, always just been in this weird... TJ Warren. They've always just been in this weird soft rebuild, though. Yeah. They're just always in position, in position yeah. to have a better next season. <laughs> I think it's finally looking like actually bright, though. I think they got a lot of great talent. Yeah. Like I said, it's young, it's fun. I'm going to be definitely paying attention to them uh, this year, even more so on uh, League Pass than we did last season, because that was like our t- <laughs> that kind of started to be the team, like fucking Pacers. Well, I mean, I lost interest because as much as I love Nemhard too. When Halliburton was hurt, Halliburton was hurt. I was just like, yeah, it wasn't they went fun. back to being like a eight and sixteen team. Mm-hmm. It was just like, oh, it wasn't as fun, yeah. But when yeah. Halliburton's in there, just doing his thing, I'm like, damn, this is a great league pass team. <laughs> yeah, they're awesome. Uh, let's move on here, Adam. Give us a team that you're selling stock in in the West. Give us a trade in the West. Should I really say that it's the Phoenix Suns? Ooh, give me it. Give me the heat. Because they are... I mean, let's just talk about it. They trade Cam 
pain and get, you know, nothing in return. Two second round picks, I think it was, if they even got a player. They signed Bull Bull. the transaction list here. Yeah, like, they signed Bull Bull, who is Ronnie 2K's favorite NBA player of all time. Yep. So, like, you got another year of Bull Bull being ridiculous on NBA 2K for the Suns, even if he doesn't make it to the trade deadline. Like, you got Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon, yeah. You got essentially Matt Ishbia, I believe, came out and said that the ball handling responsibilities are going to be by committee. Bro, this dude was playing 2K when he was on the phone with guys like, hey, how about we do this? And he's literally on the 2K trade finder. You're kidding me. And I swear to God, I mean, look at it. Look at the team he put together. Is that not a team you put together in my league and try to win a fucking four rings in a row? And just, yeah, because you, have you just simulate the whole season card. and you only play the playoffs. Yeah, and your team goes 68. And- <laughs> <laughs> yes. Is that not what that is? Like, yes. That's what we're looking 15, at. Like, I know. And for and some reason, we know those teams don't work in reality. Because they get the Boston Celtics syndrome. And that's, wait, I don't initiate every single play and start a real play and start like not an isolation situation and like instigate a, you know, fast break pass down court that can change the pace and momentum of the game. Like I'm just Bradley Beal, I'm Devin Booker, I'm Kevin Durant, which I mean, just insane territory for them (laughs) as their top three. Yeah. To even put shade on it, you're like, I'm ridiculous. Like, because you think this team is just going to walk to a 60-win season if KD plays 68 games and Booker plays like 70 and Bradley Beal's like floating a light 79-game season just stays healthy KD's missing and 20-plus games. Oh, my God, dude. And like, that's fine. You got Booker and Beal. Beal can win. Booker and Beal can win, win you the games. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Because though, when it comes down to it, they'll be able to play your turn, my turn. Because... Devin Booker is a way insane fit next to him than John Wall. And that's what John Wall and Brad Beal did near the end of their tenure was your turn, my turn. And it was fine, but it wasn't LeBron and Kyrie. And I don't know. Like, I like where you're team, at with the trade, though, because, like, yeah, this team has a pretty high ceiling. But when, thing, when, when teams are put together like this, they can go one of two ways. It can be fucking epic and amazing. Or it's going to blow up in your face like the Brooklyn Nets. Because it's just like they, they have a low-key nice bench. Like it's like, okay, they got rid of some of the fat, but I mean, Josh got Kobe, rid of some of the fat. They traded everything for Bradley Beal yeah, and yeah. Then pieced together <laughs> the puzzle. It all. Pieced together the puzzle with the minimums that they're legally allowed to sign. So tell me out of these players who do you want handling the most ball having the most handle ball handling responsibility jordan um josh akogi and damian lee between those two between those three neither who who was the first one jordan goodwin two-year player out of st louis i think you're gonna rely on a lot of minutes with beal booker Kevin Durant just on the floor together that 
Yeah, I don't. You're never going to have a true point guard out there. You're you're buying into that, and a Frank Vogel offense like that is to be determined. Although he was able to win a Holy chip with shit. LeBron as a point I guard, thought he was their head coach. I forgot. Frankie V. They're going to win the championship, dude. They're going to win the championship. So you're not trading them then? Are you signing them now? Well, you know, like when I looked at this, I'm like, they are just leaned in on, yes, that 2K style of basketball where I'm like, they're really going to let themselves have the same pitfalls essentially as the Boston Celtics where... And the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, they never had a... Well, the Nets had Kyrie. Kyrie is a truer I'm just saying in the general chaos of having that many stars. Yes, exactly. And it just, you know, what never really gets brought up and it it does but doesn't and doesn't get as much stock as it deserves is that they weren't all healthy at the same time. And when they were, they won. Mm -hmm. And that will be 13 and 3 will be the stat that ESPN always talks about. They might as well yep. name the 30-30 documentary that 13-3 and three, because yep. out of the season and a half they all played together, that was their record together. They played 16 games together. Mm-hmm. Oh, shame. So are, we, are you through that emotional journey that we just went through with Phoenix? Yes. Are you switching them to a sign? Yeah, I think... Oh. I mean, I... I'm cutting out. You're cutting out. Mm-hmm. You're quiet. Here, wait a minute. You saw one time something. Maybe like. How about now? Yeah, back to did. normal. Okay. Yeah, that was weird. weird. I think my mic just kind of sank down a little bit, and it made the cord move. Yeah. So it sounded like you were like you hit something. Utah is a good move. I like Drew Eubanks. It sucks that he went to the Suns because he was great in Portland. And I always thought he was a natural backup five in Portland for them. Wanted him back, but now that he plays for the Suns, I'm like, okay, that's fine. You know, like the Suns are bought in on being a wing team. They have more wings than the Los Angeles Clippers. Which like, that's the real identity of a lot of playoff contending teams now is you have all wings and, and guards. So Yeah. I mean, the wing is like the most valuable. super guards. Yeah. It's just going to be... I, I literally cannot wait to watch this team play. Because, do you think every game that they play will be on ESPN? Like yeah, every single nearly. game? It'll be, <laughs> it'll be just as much season. as like the Lakers are, right? Right. Oh, Lakers versus Suns. They can't wait for that. Yeah, they're going to be eating that shit up. Perkins is going to be yelling. Stephen A is going to be yelling. The B team at ESPN, which is now the A team, is going to be yelling. Right. They really, they really look like it look like and sound like the C team, but that's besides the point. Um, I just I can't think of a worse chemistry fit on screen than Zach Lowe and Kendrick Perkins. It's always so awkward every single time. Phoenix, as a sign for Adam Elder. Adam flipping the script there from his original thoughts after that happens so much in this segment though. I feel like is that we get talking on something and we're like, yeah, I actually feel the other way. Yeah. Well, speak for yourself, sir. You're the wishy washy one here. I'll go ahead and give you a Western conference trade. Then 
and I'll make it hot. Because personally, if you ask me, for a team that considers themselves the reigning champions, I'm not quite impressed with their offseason. And I'm talking about the Denver Nuggets. I get it. You're completely bought into what you already have in Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. And I understand how amazing that is. You have Michael Porter Jr. still. You have Aaron Gordon still. I get it. However, Mm -hmm. losing Bruce Brown and Jeff Green isn't anything that's just slight. And then spending most of your MLE on Reggie Jackson isn't Mm. that shiny of a move. So if we're looking at signer trade in terms of, you know, offseason, like this is the offseason edition. We're basing it off of what they've done in the offseason. I'm not too impressed with this. I do understand the route they're going. They believe in the core that they have minus brown and green and swap in, you know, Braun and some of these other guys. So I get it. I don't know. I just, I'm not impressed. And ultimately that's why I threw him in here as a trade. I, really, I know it's hot, but that's where I'm at. It's off season. That's what we're talking. So I don't think it's as hot as you think, because I just like, you needed those other two big time role players off the bench to make things happen for this team. Like, I mean, yeah, you get DeAndre Jordan back, which is fine, I guess. You know, he seems to really just be in love with being on this team. But do you really want the rest of the four guys to all just be rookies and right. say, this is your offseason, this is your regular season experience and you're going to help us get there? Because Brown may turn into that. I just don't think he is a point guard. I think he's a wing. I think he is a straight up wing. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that he should have all the ball handling responsibilities. And, you know, like if they had the assets to be able to pull this off, could they get Peyton Pritchard from the Boston Celtics? What do you have to do to get that for your six man? Mm-hmm. Because when I think of that shooting fit around Brown and, you know, then you're really big on just a guy that's literally like break glass. Let's put someone out there that can shoot threes. Or even just be a solid rotation player, which he seems to be. I think that he is. He's just in a flat zone with Boston right now. I just don't think that Boston's going to move on him after everything they've done. After gutting their guard rotation, they have to rely on him now. (laughs) Right. Him, Brogdon, and White are their new point guard rotation. Yeah. It's just kind of crazy. Yeah, they're not moving. They're not moving, old boy. Then I just wonder what they've got up their sleeve then. I wonder. That's where I'm not convinced because I'm like, yeah, I get it. You have arguably the best player alive right now coming off of a championship run in a back-to-back MVP season, two seasons. Like, I get it. But it's still like the West has teeth, always has teeth, continues to have teeth. The Lakers Mm -hmm. re-upped. Oh, yeah. Memphis is no joke once Jaw comes back with Marcus Smart added to that rotation. Um, Golden State is always looming. Like, I just, I don't know. Phoenix. Phoenix has teeth. Like. I mean, of course, Phoenix has teeth. Golden State, I. Maybe I should trade on theirs because I really think that they're going to miss Dante DiVincenzo next year. 
I so mean, you're they got them as a Western Conference trade. We I think so there? because we were just talking about how dead Chris Paul looks in the eyes at every single press outing for the Golden State Warriors, and he's going to have to play thirty. I think he'll play thirty minutes a game next season. They're going to rely on him. That have, they're going to replace Jordan all of Jordan Poole's minutes with one of the smartest high IQ point guards in the history of the NBA. Mm-hmm. So there's a real strength in that. But there's also a real dip in the fact that Chris Paul just, he's 39 years, 38 years old? Is he 38 now? Yeah, he's like, he's 38, yep. But like, there's, he might even turn 39 by the time the playoffs are around and he is a plotting point guard who firmly opposed the Golden State Warriors prime style because he was that slow it down we make our own pace point guard and we're going to out the mud yes and we're going to make our opponent adjust to that pace and that brought Golden State closer to the earth mm-hmm. and now you're using him to what I would hope is the primary backup point position and you don't have minutes where Steph and Chris Paul are on the floor together unless no. No, because ideally you want to run pick and roll with Dre and Paul and Dre and Looney or Looney right. and, and Wiggins. Yeah. Paul and Wiggins too. Like that could be mm-hmm. a big time pick and roll like threat as well. But Looney, yeah, that's huge as well. Looney is going to be a great fit for Chris Paul because Looney has good touch around the basket, like underrated touch. And if he's getting fed Bismack Biombo looks, I think he's going to be a little bit better at that. He could have like an 11 point season. Mm-hmm. Like, there's real potential in adding Chris Paul, but there is just such a big risk. And how about the hilarious quote that Bob Meyer, not Bob Myers, um, Lacob, Lacob's the one that's still there, right? Mm, I, yes, yeah. Joe Lacob, he said, there was never two timelines and I want to dispel that ever existing. And I was like, I feel like there was legitimate conversation about two timelines. And then like Jordan three Poole years ago. got punched in the face and then they're like, oh... It all well, and then they <laughs> traded James Wiseman to the Pistons for nothing. Yeah, like that entire quote unquote young core just absolutely vanished into thin air, and they were yeah. like, "Oh, yep, we got late prime Steph and Draymond and Clay." So they lose Divincenzo, but they do bring in Sarge. They do bring in Corey Joe, which I mean, who gives a fuck on Corey Joe? Sarge, I do think, is a nice fit, although I'm not Starter pack, NBA point guard. (laughs) Oh, Corey Joe, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dario Sarge, though, I'm really not... Yeah, I think it's a good fit, but I'm just not too, like, impressed with what his impact on their ceiling actually is, so I'm really not too concerned there as far as... He would be better... Right. He would be better if DiVincenzo was there and could maximize him off, like, that kind of energy because I feel Mm -hmm. like Sarge matches that kind of run and gun mentality that DiVincenzo has. Mm-hmm. But, you know, man game. Right. Like, I don't know. That's what makes me shaky on Golden State because they kind of needed to retain depth and they just haven't done that. Right. But we're also sitting in a position where two superstars have requested trades and that puts most talks at a complete halt because that means that the market is about to be determined. Mm-hmm. And the last four weeks have been this mire of 
Nobody knows what anything is worth anymore because Rudy Gobert was worth five first round picks. And now it's going to be, okay, Dame was worth this. Let's contrast that with Rudy Gobert. If Rudy Gobert is worth five, Dame's worth 13 first round picks. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just the plain and simple fact. If that's the real market, LeBron James is worth 22 first round picks. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. LeBron James, this age, I might go for four boxes, crumble cookies. Yeah, 22 first round picks is a little outrageous. How about... I think I'd go four boxes of crumble for LeBron James, dude. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. Four boxes is 39-year-old LeBron. And you can invite family over. And, you know... If I'm inviting family, I'm getting 10 boxes. (laughs) That might be fair for Baron. But it's just, you know, everything is kind of just in this halt because all of a sudden, Joel Embiid also floating his name. And how many first round picks is that guy worth? 33. Actually, I don't know. He's a bum in the playoffs. So let's keep it moving, Adam. Stop getting off task. Come on, man. Keep it together. I'm just kidding. Well, that's my trade. For gold, that's one of my trades for the West is Golden State. There you go. Lock it in. Trading. You got one signing and one trade left in the West there for yourself. Uh, you have to start working on the East here. Uh, I'm going to flip it over to the East since we just did back-to-back West there. I'll throw my first Eastern Conference trade here. And I'm looking at... Boston Celtics. And I'll tell you why. It's because they gutted their guard rotation. It's because they brought in KP as basically their third to fourth option on any given night, on most nights, I would say, who's injury prone. Um, Basically, top, what, five of their top, like, seven guys are injury prone. Mm-hmm. I'm not impressed with where this team is buying into. It's all allegedly to fit Joe Mazzullo's coaching style, who wants to play a lot of uh, fast-paced, uh, run-and-gun, shoot them out from the three-point line basketball. So you obviously bring in with a floor-spacing big. <laughs> I, I know, you bring in a, what is it, allegedly a floor-spacing big to fit that genre of basketball. Um, the guy is just a walking hamstring slash knee injury waiting to happen. I what injury or angle ankle or foot. Yeah. I just, I don't like what they've done so far. Um, clocks ticking. It's basically probably finished with what they're going to do so far. I would say, um, I still think they should try to go get Monte Morris, but that's just me. Uh, I think this is a trade All right, for me. This is a, this is a trade. Fuck, then honestly, fuck the Celtics as always. So, Brogdon and oh man, who else do you sell on there? Brogdon and somebody else for Monte and Joe Harris. So Monte and Joe Harris for Brogdon and Pritchard. Bro, if the Celtics could get the Celtics could get. Uh, Joe Harris, I would love that. Yeah, I know, exactly. And, you know, actually, when I had my original notes here, it's funny that we talked about Joe Harris because 
one of the things I said is that the last year's role player value posturing is just going to dissipate. And you're not going to ask for two first round picks for Bojan Bogdanovic. So he's not getting five first round picks. God, you'd hope not. And like, is that something you could do if you're the Celtics? What can you package together to get Monte Morris and Bojan Bogdanovic from the Celtics? That would be nice. That would be very, very nice for their bench. Shores up everything. They don't lose a single starter. Like, I mean, Boyan might even start for you. I don't know. I think that's too slow. And I think that you can use him in the true backup four position behind Porzingis and not lose a step in the shooting. You know, like you can still run the same place for those guys. I guess for me, as it stands now with like Dame looming to Miami, um, I just think Miami's going to be the clear favorite there. Uh, and we just know Miami's kind of got their number too. And it, it's always been crazy to me that literally every outlet says that Boston got better. Every person online, every pundit that posts online, they all say Boston got better. The like, only one who so I've seen re- fact. The only one that I've seen been reasonable about it, but I still don't even agree with him is Tim Bontemps. And he's like, he's like, I'm not like, over the moon about this KP deal. He's like, uh, he, he goes logically. He's like, I'll say that they raised their ceiling, but lowered their floor. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. I totally agree with that. Like, or maybe I don't totally agree with that, but I get what he's saying more so. Like, I honestly think they lowered both, but that's just me being like really fairly down on KP just in general. Um, so that's where I'm coming from. But like, yeah, he's the only one that's been like, semi-logical. Everyone else has been absolutely sucking it off. Right. Like they just made the over the moon upgrade. Yeah. As a smart literally. Oh my God. Mark is smart. I just, I don't know, man. Wow. Wow. That's all I can say. This Boston. Just okay. Brad Stevens, we thought you were hot with that Derek White move and now we're looking at you with this and we're like, I don't know. I don't know, Brad. Keep failing up. What's next? You uh, become the fucking. You gonna become the owner after you fucking can they lose get Joel and playoffs? Bede. Can they trade Jalen Brown for Joel Embiid? No chance that happens. But Jason Tatum <laughs> and Embiid are apparently friends. So Tatum is the one of the weirdest guys in the entire NBA. He's so weird, dude. Let's keep it moving, though, before we get too off topic there. I'm throwing down Boston as a Eastern Conference uh, trade. Adam, let's keep it in the East. Hit us with an Eastern Conference sign. Give me a team you're buying stock in in the East. Is it wrong to say this right now? Say it, motherfucker. I'm buying stock in the Washington Wizards. Let's go. I'm Bizarre. buying Washington Wizards because I want to have some faith that Jordan Poole can score 23 points a game and not just be on the, Yeah, just have that season and Kuz can just be 20 to 17 and have good efficiency. And then they sprinkle in Avdia. They get Corey Kispert in there to play the, the big two-guard position that can Kispert's shoot. Kispert's going to be nice, dude. Yeah, I know. Like, and you're going to be able to have, you know, 
in, Poole initiate some of the same looks that he was passing off to Curry to him. Like, I really think that Corey Kisper can be the next, like, valuable. He's like a light clay. Just, just the best version of Joe Harris. Even. Yeah. That kind of shooter. That kind mm-hmm. of, like, and I think Avdia has real potential and they still have Gafford. And I think Gafford is a starting, <laughs> starting level center in the NBA. And I think that they have a lot of potential to be a top level play-in team. The mm-hmm. seventh seed. And be like a firm seventh seed. I mean, I would love to see it, honestly. I think it would be a really good start to them finally cutting cords with Bradley Beal which for some reason just kind of lingered for way too long. Mm-hmm. They can finally, finally push behind all the memories, the bad memories of signing John Wall to the max, the huge max at that time. And then he goes through the Achilles tear while falling in the shower and had the knee problems before that. Like Just haunting. Just absolutely haunting, completely in that stagnant Porzingis situation. And then you bounce around where you have Rui, who was your big draft pick that just wasn't fitting in. Really, and then you go through a Russ year. <laughs> All that, like they have a real way here too. And Kuzma also, like, and if this doesn't work out, you're set up well because Pool's deal is end up gonna, not end up going to be that bad, and Kuzma's deal ends up being pretty good as well. So yeah. both tradable assets, seemingly, they're just one more good to decent center away from really being a push for the sixth seed. Ooh, I think that's hot, sir. I think you're getting way too hot. If they get a good center, if they had like a Clint Capella in there at the five, rather than... Uh, Buddy, I think you're out of control there. Think about it. Think about it. Think about it, dude. First off, you can get the five teams before even talking to them really easily. And there's still teams before that that I would go. So I'm talking Boston 1, Philly, Milwaukee, Miami. I would say Cleveland. There's five. New York. And then you got New York. <laughs> you are not the yeah. sixth seed as the Zards, buddy. You'd be lucky well, to be a, play, mean, a competitive play-in team. We said it in secret. Cavs get worse. Oh, dude. That's well, really worse. I'm, yeah, that is really worse. If they're the seventh seed, they're really worse. But there's also yeah. the chance that it, how bad is Philly this year? Are they uh, six seed territory? Not bad enough for the Zars to be the sixth seed, dude. Yeah. I, Jordan I Poole on is one. on every ESPN highlight. And they'll say, he's bringing back basketball in Washington, D.C., the nation's capital. Ugh. Leaning hard in the Jordan Poole stand-up for what reason tonight? I absolutely was offended every time I had to watch that guy on the Warriors and play for the University of Michigan. Guys, I'm, I'm just, baffled. I, I'm I baffled at your direction right now, Adam. Right. I really am. But I still uh, want to sign him. I still want to sign him. I'll stand by that. Putting it out there. Let's shift it back to the West. I'll go ahead and throw you a Western Conference signing because I haven't put any of those out there yet. Western Conference sign. You know what it is. I'm standing. Lakers. If we're talking offseason, the Lakers had a phenomenal offseason. Um, they went out there. They, they got younger. Um, I think they stayed competitive, if not got more competitive. They retained 
um, guys that they got at the trade deadline that were uh, uh, must must keep options. Uh, I really like this rotation now that they fleshed out, or the options for rotations that they fleshed out here that they have Darvin Ham to play with. Uh, I'm just really excited. LeBron, I think, is going to be coming thirsty. Um, I think AD. I don't know. It's just, you know, I wait and see with AD basically always. So I really can't say much there. You just hope and pray that, you know, he's going to come correct and come healthy, stay healthy. Same with LeBron at 39, but I also just think LeBron, I'd still give him the benefit of the doubt here. And I just expect him to tear it up uh, and still give you 26 to 28 a game here. So let's do it. Um, This team was per record post trade deadline or post-All-Star break, I think. No, it was trade deadline. Um, they were the uh, number one team in the league. Um, and then, obviously, uh, they made the Western Conference Finals. So, we will see. We will see. But I'm really excited. I'm signing them. I'll piggyback off that as well. I want that to be my signing because, you know, up until this point, I was like, I hadn't really considered the Lakers offseason because I was like, yeah, they retained assets and that's great. And then I really think, and I'm like, that's what they haven't done for three years. Mm-hmm. They have not retained assets for three years in a row. And they finally did it this offseason. They are going to be able to legitimately start Gabe Vincent, Reeves, Rui, LeBron, and AD and win games. That's going to win them games. Mm-hmm. And they shored up the bench. They got Vando, who I feel like Vando is now Darvin Ham's creative piece. Yep. And is going to be able to play anywhere between the two and four. And even the five at times, maybe. And you bring in a guy like Jackson Hayes, who is just a rim-running center. And I don't know. I just, I you really Cam think Cam Reddish, you got Prince. Reddish, yes, exactly. Reddish and Prince is a great three and two, three, four kind of mix up there. With, hey, well... I don't know. They're going to definitely play Hayes at the five. I think that Max Christie is going to have real minutes for this team and D'Angelo Russell. Well, I guess D'Lo will be the starter over Vincent, but you know, they're going to have all that. Maybe that's better off anyways, especially for D'Lo's ego. Like the most common, the most common shade I've seen thrown at their off season is like, yeah, well they overpaid Rui. And I'm like, fine. No, I, I don't, I personally don't think so. But even then I'm like, okay, fine. Fine. But for what Rui was on his team when he finally got it going, you're like, fine. Yeah. He deserves to be the 16th highest paid power forward in the NBA. Like, that's so reasonable for him. Like, I felt like that fit right in. They got um, Austin Reeves on the rookie max, four for 52. Remember? He was four for 98 five weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, they're going to float him to four for 98. And then he signs for four for 52. Yeah, we saw what his real quote unquote value was to other NBA teams. Well, everyone was just backing off because they knew it was dead air because Lakers were just going to sign him. So they were going to match whatever offer. So, right. And the thing is, too, it also got thrown out there that Reeves got every single like extra sweetener in the deal that can usually go along with a rookie max scale extension like that. Mm-hmm. It's just great. I, I, you're right. I love what the Lakers have done. They legitimately turned around. They're 10 deep again. 
They've kind of cleaned the gunk out as much as I wanted to stand Troy Brown Jr. Like he just couldn't be played. Mo Bamba obviously wasn't fitting in, even though he had such limited time on the floor. I just think mm-hmm. that the Lakers have so many options this year around LeBron and AD. And I think that there's a real chance this team could be top three. I just, yeah. I want that for them. I want them to be the three seed. I want be this to be a winning. Coming in. Right. I don't want them scrambling to figure out that, oh, we don't actually need to play Malik Beasley to win games. Like, we have something figured out here. And I like their rookies a lot. I want to see Jalen. eight guys Mitchell, we believe you know, in. We got 10 guys we can trust on. And 11 guys we can stretch it to. Yeah. I like it. I really do like it. I think they've turned around and they've done something pretty well here. And I can only, only, only just, even if I have to cast it out there once, we want number five. We want number five. Of course we want number five, Adam. We want number five. We pray. We pray number five is on the way. Adam, you're a little light in the East. You still got two... or one signing, two trades. Hit us with an Eastern Conference trade. Who you selling stock in on the East? I really think it has to be Philadelphia. They are dissolving last year's team. They, who have been some of their signings again? They got back some more, you guys, right? Yeah, let me check here. They got Patrick Beverly. Yeah, they bring in Patrick Beverly. Uh, they matched that Utah's uh, offer for Paul Reed. So they bring back Paul Reed, uh, which is nice. Speedball Paul, who's got potential. Uh, Mo Bamba. Um, James Harden's looming out there. Uh, Dwayne Dedman. And Mac McClung. Oh, no. Mac McClung and Dwayne Dedman were old. My bad. But it's just. You look at this team and you're like, yeah, they're fine, I guess. But it's not enticing James Harden to stay. No. And it's not enticing Joel Embiid, apparently. And I don't know. I just, I'm really wondering if Maury is going to be able to swing this and say, because if they play without James Harden, they're going to be like the, they're going to be like the five seed with Embiid because Embiid will miss 25 games. I don't and, know. I think they might even they could potentially be lower. That's a scenario where you're like Pacers, Wizards are like, oh wait, what? Yeah, we can punch them and move on because they got swept with Embiid mm-hmm. and the young guys already in the playoffs once. So it's on the table. It is on the table for Philadelphia to just be so bland this year that Embiid has no choice but to request a trade going into next season, next off season. Mm-hmm. Like it could go that bad. And then get you're trying to good. field prime James Harden offers when you're just never going to get that for him anymore. No, it's over. It's way over on that. And you know what? I love it. I've seen people have been floating it out there. Harden is washed. He's washed. Harden is Russell Westbrook. He's had the same arc. But people just, they have to point out that he was the league leader in assists last year. Right. He was and the that's leader fine. Game. Russell Westbrook can still impact the team semi positively. He can I'm still not get acting like the guy's done, done. But he's had a similar arc. It's just not championship level 
or it's not trying to touch championship level anymore. Mm-hmm. It oh, won't as yeah. the second option. Right. And I'm not quite sure it can as an extremely overpaid third, fourth option or that he'd be willing to do that. So I just don't know where we're at with this guy. And that's why I'm like, you look at this Philadelphia roster and they've retained quite a bit and they've added Patrick Beverly and Mo Bamba to that mix. But I'm like, you have a group of role players here that are going to be extremely positive. This is the perfect group of role players to have positively impacted by prime James Harden. Mm -hmm. But what do you have? You have James Harden requesting a trade from your team after a season and a half, James Harden. So, and James Harden, that's not happy that he got 86% of his maximum contract and said that he was going to be given a contending team, which is, you know, we're always going to say partly on him anyways, but like, well, I think it was less that and it was more you're going to get a huge bag on the other side. Yeah, now they're like, um, <laughs> I don't think so. No. We got a year left. You can test your value next year and go mm-hmm. to the Los Angeles Clippers for $16 million a year because we're not buying you out for sure. No. We are not buying you out. It's just crazy. It is absolutely crazy. It's like... Because that's just put such a wrench in the trade machine as well with that whole impact that Harden has had on the trade market. And yeah, I'm selling on the Sixers because there is so much dark cloud energy around them right now that I'm like, even a bright light like Tyreek Maxey can't get you out of that. That's rough. It is rough. All right. I'm going to throw out a... Western Conference trade here. I'll hit you with the trade. Western Conference trade. A team that I just, you know, feel like they haven't done a whole lot. We'll kind of piggyback right off of the Sixers situation because they're kind of adjacent there with the James Harden. And it's Los Angeles Lakers or Los Angeles Clippers. I just feel like this team is in trouble. I think they've been in trouble. Um, Kawhi Leonard is the biggest question mark in basketball, arguably. Paul George isn't that far behind when it comes push comes to shove. I'm not quite sure what you're doing with this just clogged up rotation of wings that never really seem to fit together. Uh, the last three seasons that you've been trying to run this shit. Um, I don't know. Like you just, there hasn't been a lot of movement. Obviously, things are on hold because Harden, because of Dame, they're obviously probably involved in both situations. Easily, they're, they're involved in the Harden situation. We know that for sure. I get it. But thus far, it's just you haven't, you, if we're talking offseason, and you really haven't done anything to improve. Um, I think your floor is like literally falling apart below your feet um, and your ceiling mm-hmm. just keeps like, shrinking so I don't know you're a tr- they're a trade for me fuck the Clippers I think they're a trade for me as well I think I need to be running on that energy of them being the greatest offseason teams of all time with their depth that they've had and now yes Paul George has been you know talked about Paul George has definitely been talked about this offseason and I'm not surprised, but I really want 
to see how this is all going to play out because if they end up getting their way with a hardened trade, it's going to be like a so be it, you know? They're going to have to clean out on those young role players that they have, though. And they're going to have to try to sell Covington or Morris to someone, too. Or Powell. Like, there's no way around that. Or Powell. And I think Powell is a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All three of them. They're going to have to try to clean that out completely because. And that's the thing that people are trying to say, too, is that it's only a one year rental of Harden in Los Angeles. And I'm like, is it or is he going to sign some kind of deal because of the cap increase? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if if uh, what would the Clippers be dumb enough to do that? To give Harden like big money? I just, I would wonder what they're really going after when you're collecting all these guys. Three of your four guys are just not playoff players. And your one playoff player that can get you to a championship level team is hurt 81% of the time. Mm-hmm. So why commit that much money and you're definitely facing down the second apron, if not breaking through the second apron for, to accommodate all four of these players? It's just, yeah. it's crazy to me. It's a lot. <laughs> and then you have a, a guy that's arguably a top five coach in the NBA there that's just trying to figure all this shit out and has been openly critical of the fact that he can't play with either of his star players. Just that outrageous. He's running more sets. Well, he used to run more sets for Luke Kennard. <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, and then you got Ty Lu. Uh, I think his contract is up after. This season, so it's like, how long is he for this situation? Does he really want to keep banging this drum? Um, I'm not sure that he does. I'm not sure they want to keep running it with him as well. So they're moving into the big arena. They're probably going to want to sell tickets. I get the whole deal. It's just I'm always losing faith in this organization. Um, it seems every right. year. So just keeps continuing the theme. Uh, let's hop back to the East. Adam, hit you, hit us with your last Eastern Conference signing. I think it's the Bucks. I think the Bucks have retained enough and added Beasley, which will be a good three-point release valve for them. And I feel like he should be starting next to um, Holiday as a shooting option and then allow Allen, Connaughton, and Portis be your big three off the bench mm-hmm. of big defenders. And I really like that. That's it sucks nice. that they lost Javon Carter, but then like they've also got some young guys in there that they, they can play too. So if they have that as their bench rotation, three guys that are 100% completely familiar with the team system, you add Beasley as your release valve at the two. I think that they are right there. It's just that like Zach Lowe said it best. They are always championship contenders. They will always win regular season games. But then they have these playoff losses where everybody sits around and looks at each other and goes, is everything actually working here? Right. Does everything on this team actually work? Or is this formula very flawed? Despite the championship, that's basically true. Exactly. Because they've just had these questionable Joel Embiid level jogging performances. Mm Mm-hmm. But not like physically actually jogging. It's just like they're mentally going through the motions of being an NBA team. And then they just lose. It's so weird. It's, it's bizarre to watch in person because that's exactly how they got eliminated the year before too against yeah. Boston. When Boston and them just, they punched each other for six straight games, seven straight games. 
And then it was just like, Boston won. And that was it. Like, they just, they won. Like, that game seven wasn't even, it didn't have any penultimate feeling to it. It was just like Boston won. It was just clean. Yeah. It was just over. You're done. So maybe that's, maybe that's the fate of Milwaukee, though, is that they end every season with a freaking getting their head chopped off in one way or the other. Or chopping someone else's head. You've had the two Miami murders. Yes. (laughs) Miami murders. That's too perfect. I mean, oh that's my just god! Gonna go down in history. That's so perfect. But you're giving a lot of faith in their retention here. You're giving a lot of faith in them to come back healthy. Uh, Lopez, Middleton, I mean, Holiday, Giannis. It's a great core, and that's a great top eight. I feel like that's a great top eight. Find two more guys that can play, fill in those last two spots, and you're good to go. You Portis do, is a you double do double off the bench. Season. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. But retention always seems to be the number one option going into an offseason. Mm-hmm. Can we keep the core and can we add something to it that just might make it torch that much more? Yep. They're, they're, they're on that trajectory. I like it. Uh, I'll give an Eastern Conference sign here to my last one for the Eastern signings. It's going to be the Brooklyn Nets because they've positioned themselves so nicely with two young pieces like Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson as what I believe to be what they want to move forward with right now. Mikhail and Bridges Claxton. And Nick Claxton as well. Um, and then beyond that, they have a mix of young and veteran talent um, to fit in along these side, alongside these guys. They still have the contract of Ben Simmons and whatever that could potentially bring you. I don't think he's long for this world uh, in terms of the Brooklyn Nets. But... I just think they're in the nice, the nice little spot here where moving forward, they have great young talent. They have a guy in Mikkel Bridges who I think is going to be fucking legit. Uh, right. Who was literally getting 25 points a game in the playoffs last year. Uh, first round, albeit as the only op- real option there in Brooklyn, but still, I'm excited. Um, they have potential to you know hold firm or obviously do another reckless trade. I think they're holding firm for at least a little bit here until timing is uh, a little bit more right. Um, and I'm just excited to see what we see from, uh, you know, Mikhail, Cam Johnson and those guys. Uh, and then if, if any moves are done at the deadline for this team, because I think they're a looming deadline option for sure. Yeah, I think so. I think they're in that territory. I'm just really impressed with Mikhail Bridges as like a legit scoring option, honestly, which I was down on at first. But then when I saw him do in that first round series, I was just like, wow, no, this guy is like for real legit. He's for real and legit, but there's a lot of me that's like, he actually is what Paul George should be. And, and that's just legitimately valuable offensive creation. But is he really just the perfect finishing touch on a number one guy mm-hmm. a Devin Booker I always thought that Booker and Bridges were such a good two and three pairing together like a perfect two and three pairing because of how they could play off like that and I mean they have Dinwiddie and I love Spencer Dinwiddie I was just I will always love what he was for the Mavericks because he hit a strange prime there where he was like the fifth best backup guard in the league if not better than that and I don't know. They're they've to me they've done what they 
thought was obvious to them in this offseason. Mm-hmm. They've let Harris go. They let Curry go. They bought in on, I don't know, are they kind of bought in on Thomas and Dinwiddie as the backcourt? Bridges is still there. They floated the value of Ben Simmons, of course, just to see what they might get for him. They've just, and they brought back Cam Johnson, which is huge. So to me, they're just, they're kind of keeping it all together and they're waiting in the grass right now for something big. Yeah, something big where they probably still keep Mikhail Bridges and, you know, move forward with that. Right, exactly. All right, hit us with a, this will be your last one for the day, Adam. Um, complete uh, Eastern Conference trade. Your last, your last of the day. I feel like they've made good acquisitions and there's potential of, you know, me eating, being really salty about this pick, but I'm trading the Bulls. I'm out on this core. Thank and Lonzo, you. And Lonzo Thank is you. also out next season. They yep. have applied for the disabled player exception, which they were granted. It was like $10.6 million to sign yep. a player because Lonzo will not be playing next season. They got Javon Carter. They have Kobe White, I believe, don't they? Or is Kobe yeah, they White signed still? Kobe White? Interesting which is there just because odd. And then they are apparently lighting the burner on Zach Levine trade talks. Yep. And New York has been heavily linked there, if not anywhere else. That's just probably been willing to listen. Is probably listening to Zach Levine. Mm. And I don't think they're. I don't think they're taking calls. I don't know. I would, I would hope that they are because... They're my trade too, by the way. They're, they're my last trade as well. Like I, but, I can't stand this anymore. Right. And I think we're in the last year of the DeMar DeRozan deal because I think he signed a three-year. and If not, a player option or team option fourth year. And then you re-signed Vucevic to an agreeable number, I guess. You know, like 20 a year for three years. And they're just the same. And we talk about how good retention is, but then you see this core and you're like, they can win 38 games. Why are you mm-hmm. retaining this? When you have legitimate trade pieces, aka you're the Toronto Raptors just in a different city right now. Yeah. And I almost had Toronto here as my trade um, because like I was thinking, okay, Toronto, Fred walks for nothing. Uh, you right. Siakam maybe getting traded. Who the fuck knows? You got OG maybe getting traded. Who the fuck knows? You're stuck in this limbo. Um, you're obviously a little bit different than uh, Chicago uh, with having like, you know, a Scotty Barnes, like a young talent like that. But uh, whereas Chicago's kind of like hands are tied with two veterans who are getting paid a lot of money. Uh, right. It's, it's, it, they're similar situations though. And I almost had Toronto there as a trade because it pretty much is uh, uh, Ch- Chicago Raptors there. <laughs> Chicago Raptors, perfect. And it's even more perfect. They faced off in the play-in this year too. Bingo, there we go. Until DeMar. Absolutely destined for that same matchup. Ugh, DeMar's daughter again, can we not? Oh, God, I know. And that tried to be like a, you know, a cool, they tried to make that a cool moment. I was just like, every single free throw, really? I was disgusted, personally. I was actually offended, but that's, I've banged that drum very loudly when it happens, so. <laughs> Uh, my last one of the day here, a Western Conference signing. I'm looking down and I'm looking, I, I mentioned them earlier. This is a team that really surprised everyone this year, stepped the fuck up, uh, saw an opportunity and took it. Um, ended up as a three seed in the Western Conference. Um, looked legit. 
against the uh, against Golden State Warriors at times and, and just barely fell short against them. Um, and that's the Sacramento Kings. I think I love actually what they did here in their offseason. I'm seeing a lot of shade being thrown at the Sabonis deal. I think you do that um, just to lock him in. I don't think it's uh, completely outrageous. I think we know in this league, every contract is tradable and that's just a fact. Um, but you know, you keep Sabonis, uh, you keep Lyles, uh, you bring in um, PJ Dozier. Oh, no, PJ Dozier got waved. Uh, you bring in you retained Harrison Barnes. Um, mm-hmm. You brought in the EuroLeague MVP. Can it pronounce his name if I wanted to? <laughs> um, I just, I don't know. I, I lo- you know, we're kind of going off that retention. Deegan Murray. That retention theme that you had with, you know, Milwaukee. Like, I think right. I mentioned this previously on a, a free agency episode. Like, I think Sacramento was kind of looking at what, Denver did and they had a lot of continuity and they, you know, stuck with their guys over, you know, a course of a couple of years and here they are on the other side winning a championship for it. And I think they're mm-hmm. kind of basing maybe some of their identity off of that in the sense that, you know, we're going to keep, keep this core together and keep trucking forward. And, you know, hopefully we maybe hit one of those extra, extra bumps along the way, like an Aaron Gordon and we bring in something like that, but this is it. And, and we're brought in. So Especially when you got, have a guy like De'Aaron Fox. Yeah. And he's making shit happen. Mm-hmm. And the real reason the Beam team took off. We're going for Beam season two. I, I wonder if they're going to keep playing the Beam this year. I hope they do. It wasn't just a one-off thing. Because we still have Beam dreams. I got plenty of Beam dreams for you out there, dude. <laughs> I got all the Beam dreams you could imagine. Uh, I like him, dude. Fox is a stone cold killer. Uh, super clutch. Obviously, we know that. Um, Sabonis. I want to see him moments. get better. Yes, you. you and now that he's getting this money, um, you really do need. I do need to see improvement from him. Um, Harrison Barnes fits in great here. Is also a contract that could be moved if you need to. Um, right. Who else? They got uh, Davion Mitchell is a great uh, young talent. Um, so it's just it, it, it's it's gonna be Malik Monk, incredible, just oh, two yeah. guard, <laughs> perfect fit, yeah, yeah. So I love it. I think they're gonna continue to impress, and I think they're gonna be right back in the mix next year. Obviously, uh, hoping and praying they can get out of the first round. Yeah, me too, because they'll definitely. I would love to see them match up with like Memphis and beat Memphis. Yeah, that'd, that'd be, be such fun. like a that would be an incredible young matchup where. You know, the the beam team takes down the Memphis <laughs> like grit and grind. New the, the ever, new young ever so flawed Memphis Grizzlies. Right, right. The raw and reckless Grizzlies versus Raw the, and Reckless, yeah. The young shining beam team. Exactly. Yep. The young shiny beam team. One one team symbolizes light and the other darkness. <laughs> there you go. That's what I was getting at. <laughs> I know. I you're trying to throw shade at darkness. Uh, all right. Dylan Brooks that, did it today too. Oh God. What did he do? He said, um, it'll be nice playing next to an efficient point guard like Fred Van Vliet. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Fred Van Vliet. Okay. So you want to know efficiency? Suck my cock, Dylan Brooks. Fred Van Fleet 
and Dylan Brooks bottom two in field goal point efficiency last Yikes. season. Oh my God. I'm fairly certain. Or I think it was at a certain attempt. That's what it was. At a certain number of attempts. Wow. Yeah. Both of them. Dynamic so, duo. Yeah, there you go. Fuck your efficiency, Dylan Brooks. Say what you want about job, but Dylan Brooks can take a hike. I mean, my God. That's going to look like one of the worst contracts of all time, and I will lock that in right here, right now. That's going to be my one more take of the day. Dylan Brooks' contract is going to be one of the worst of the last five years. Lock it in right now. Or maybe we'll say of the next five years. There you go. I'll say my one last take is that... Same trade next month. Whole another month. We got well, they're gonna tr- like a weekend. I half. bet they're gonna trot this up to the very beginning of training camp before mm-hmm. they get Dame there. They're gonna try to get him as least prepared as he can for Miami, because I think the Miami deal is sixty three percent done. I think for and you some know Miami is just trying fucking to itching to get him in the gym. Yep. Oh yeah, exactly. I think that's what they're doing right now. They want to keep Jimmy because Jimmy's out flaunting with Shakira right now. And he's just running across the world. And then they don't want him to get into the, the gym with the sickos, mm-hmm. with the rats, yeah, with the demons down in the gutter. Dame's going to go through that fucking Miami training camp and be in premier shape. I mean, I mean, absolutely premier shape. The core problem will seem years away. And then they have Dragic essentially lined up as their minimum vet that they're getting behind Dame. Healthy Dragic for those last year. There you go. We love a dragon. We love the it's dragon easy. in Miami, man. It's too easy. And then they have the minimum guys for the rest of the way. It's Classic Miami roster. I have to fill out. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And then they'll get great minutes from that amalgamation of like five minimum players. Jimmy, wow. Dame, Bam, and the fucking third stringers, man. Lock it in. Oh, man. I Lock want it, it so for, bad. I want it so bad. Lock it in it for so a bad. chip. I would love to see Dame and Jimmy win a chip together. Holy shit. Holy fucking yes. shit. Holy <laughs> shit. Would that not be, could there be a better teammate for him, for Dame to finally, Dame and Jimmy both to finally win one with? Yes. Yes. Like that's both of those ideal. guys just yearning for it. Yes. Absolutely. In the meditation room together. I think I'm Bam says, I will guide you there. I can't say I want it more than Braun 5. I want it more than Braun 5. But it's for sure. I want Dame one more than Braun five. You want Dame? Sure. I mean, that's Dame and Jimmy Absolutely. one. That's absolutely exactly that's Dame one, Jimmy one. Exactly. I can't. I can't say that. I can't do that to LeBron. But it's. I mean, it's a one A one B type situation here. It's. it's I'd be close. over the moon. I would cry. I would cry watching Damian Lillard hold up the NBA championship trophy, and that's that's all I want. That's all I want from this situation. I feel like Portland people in Portland should just understand that. Yeah, just get Dame the ring because the moment Dame can go and win the ring, he's going to appreciate Portland more than he does right now. Is on the trajectory. Mm-hmm. And you right guys now. can have an amicable relationship later and after he's retired. And yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. He owns a Toyota dealership already. Like, and if he wins the ring in Miami, go he's going to go down Miami. as a fucking fucking beast in Miami too. So yes, exactly. All right, let's wrap it there. We just hit one more take a little early. We'll, as always, stay engaged with us across all social media at the Dip Network. 
Stay tapped the fuck in for all your off-season content as it keeps rolling on here. We got big shoes to still drop. We talked plenty about them. We've talked extensively about these shoes that need to drop and we're just waiting for them to hit the floor. So stay tapped in because there's going to be emergency podcasts on the way. Adam thinks we're about <laughs> a week and a yes, half. Yes, 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 Plus, yes, yes, yes. We're about a week and a half maybe away from that. So we will see. But we're always coming at you with all the NBA content that you could imagine and ever want and need. So stay tapped in. We're out of here though. Peace.